guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, I guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, a lot of green like a pasture, a lot of busted like a pastor. Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here. I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture. No mad raps in the cheap shirt. I'm just shopping in my Sears. I ain't no soothsayer, just a truth seeker, booth tweaker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, look at what we did. What's up, good people? Welcome to Ebbs and Flow. That's Esoteric Bible Study for Love of Wisdom. I am your host, Danunaki Dan, and I got three co-hosts with me. We got Nomad. What's up, Nomad? Peace and blessings. Good to be here. We got the Morgan B. What's up, Morgan? I'm just happy to be here, y'all. And we got PK. What's up, PK? What up? What up? Never in a million years did I think I'd be uh, hitting people up asking if they were like ready for Bible study. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, appreciate be uh, you guys having me again. This is great. What do you think about it, though? What do you tell us? What you really think? I think it gives me an excuse uh, to read the Bible, and I say that because. Reading the Bible is more fun with other people mm. and like talking through it. It's yeah. so, it just seems so dry, like uh, doing it by yourself. To be honest, it's kind of boring, but this is fun. So that's mm. how I feel about it. I think it's great. I think we there's step- a lot of other stuff that we can bring up and put together, and with all of our knowledges and everything like that. It, like really helps to bring the story out more Uh, and a lot of it like i do you know kind of agree with i I think that there's some places where i don't like but i mean uh that's every good story right it needs those heel turns what would wrestling be without heels but uh (laughs) today we are doing genesis 13 and this is like the beginning of abram and lot uh, and then this pretty much goes on for quite a few chapters with the whole story of Abram. So we're not going to like just burn through it, but we're going to try to get going to try to get through maybe two of them today, uh, just because we'll see how it goes. Actually, you know, maybe uh, other times I've thought like, oh, there's not very much in this paragraph and then we talk about that paragraph for three hours so what do i know but uh so i'll just start it out and i'll read uh the whole chapter here and it says this is from the new living translation okay so fyi to everybody abram and lot separate so abram left egypt and traveled north into negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped Hmm. before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. 
Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At the time, Canaanites and Perizzites, P-E-R-I-Z-Z-I-T-E-S, Perizzites, looks like, sounds like parasites. So Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you, if you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. Which is interesting because Egypt's like a desert, so but maybe it was lush at this time. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and mm. walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built mm. another altar to the Lord. Genesis 13. Not all at once. It's a doozy. <laughs> uh, to say the very least, I'm just trying to get on line before I start talking. But I did want to like, first of all, um, it says he, he pitched his tent between Bethel and AI. Now, like, I know for a fact that they don't pronounce it that way, but the yeah. irony of like the whole thing, like <sighs> from the beginning to the end, like, so from Bethel to AI, you know, finish beneath it. Like, it's weird. It's like from the beginning to the end, then you have to like make a note of like left and right, the oscillation between the two nephew and whatever uncle, uncle you know yeah. like they can't be in at once so they have to oscillate 
they also he the Lord also mentions Yahweh mentions you go from east to west, north to south. That's a cross, like to cross over something, you know, like that's to make a full like cross over, like to make um the same like to make your presence or like religion known. You know what I'm saying? Like to travel with it and to be like, you know, to go from east to west and north to south is pertinent in this whole story. It's just right there, literally right there. Everything you need to kind of know really is like right there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The whole AI thing is interesting. And I remember, I don't know if it was yesterday, a couple of days ago. Oh, it was, it was on uh, Mario's last Thursday episode um, with, uh, with Michelle. And they were saying how, have you guys ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So the, the, yeah. the computer's name is Hal, right? H-A-L. And there's this whole thing of like, well, it's just interesting that, IBM is one letter off how like you got H I you got a B and then you got L M right. Mm. So it's like, it's all one letter off. Now AI is one letter off BJ Joe, you know, uh, Boaz and Joaquin oh two pillars. God. So it's yeah. like Bethel, but I don't know if that works in that language. I just thought that was an interesting, yeah. like, little insight there because they're talking about Bethel, the house of God, and then the mm-hmm. other one, whatever this this AI or HIA sometimes, whatever it is, it's interesting. Hey. It's one it's one letter off the yeah the old H-A- pillars. HAI yeah. is the other term for it. Uh right. That's almost like I almost looks like L, so that's pretty much how call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the pillars are interesting because uh, once you traverse further on into Genesis, it's going to bring those up and the importance of those pillars, really. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm glad we noted. A lot of this stuff is going to be very relevant the further we read. Yeah, also the the meaning of the word ai or how or hi is a heap of ruins so that's interesting mm-hmm. a um, city lying east of bethel and besides bethaven near jericho and the second city taken on the invasion of canaan a city of the ammonites on the east of the jordan and apparently attached to heshbon crete and where you find, uh, I think I said this before, but any of these that end with the ites, I-T-E-S, Canaanites, Perizzites, they all, and other people's uh, lectures that I've heard, uh, they associate the ites to giants. So Amorites, uh, Ammonites, whatever, ites all have this giant size. Uh so it's interesting here too that it says that they were fighting over their herds and flocks because they're so 
close together, they probably couldn't sort out whose was whose. So they decided to split, right. split it between the two, all the land. But it does say at the time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. So even though God is saying, like, <laughs> all this land is yours, there's still other people there occupying the land that they're going to. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if maybe fights break out between, I'm going to say, like, these native people to the land and these foreigners coming into the land because seemingly they are the foreigners right abram and lot well regardless it's just when one area gets too crowded right it's like <laughs> at some point there becomes conflict because people are too attached to the land or too possessive right of the material aspect of this reality and then they have to start warring with each other instead of just moving on and making a new home right but there being like lots it's interesting because the feud is between the same people group it's not between the canaanites and the Perizzites parasites and them right it's between them two you know they're like hey yeah we need a it doesn't even it doesn't matter if it's family or anything yeah. right it's like the same chickens and if you put them all in one coop they're gonna start pecking at each other and yeah it's gonna be unhealthy so that's like on that no you can't put like more than five humans in a room without conflict for a long <laughs> period of time I think the number is five no yeah. it's a, back um, it's I an just, important it's an important thing to talk about i think because you know getting back to the whole terminology of the expanse and that's why i love that term because i think that that's the whole point of this it's like an explosion right it expands and it's like that energy is just going and I think yeah. that's what this reality is. And so I don't think we need to be so crowded. I think we can spread out and move around. And I think that mentality creates this scarcity, uh, fear-mongering energy, right, that really keeps people trapped in what they think they're capable of and what can actually happen to achieve peace. Well, it also can like offer that. you... The Experience of giving your power away for free to something or someone who is not or what is not serving your best interest. I think that's a good example of that too, because I'm on the page and I'm on the side that Old Testament gods with a little G are not the best. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some figuring out going on. Um, first off, that word parasite is way too close to parasite, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I... that's super interesting. Um, you said, Dan, to your point there about um, it's like they're fighting amongst themselves. Um, mm -hmm. There's something definitely going on with the language being used here in the Bible. Um, even the first verse opens up where it says like lot abram went out and then and lot with him uh -huh. so it's never like and lot went to it was like it was like lot is a uh you know he's on like abram's hip abram's yeah. going lot is with him so i think there's there's this like one of the underlying maybe like sort of esoteric meanings is is that uh it's describing um 
a battle like within within himself if abram's an archetype lot mm. would be um the materialistic because he goes to sodom so he's kind of in a way uh. fighting against himself and this would make sense too because abram and sarai are not abraham and sarah yet so they're well, still like doing the work they don't become abraham and sarah until you know they see i think it's in chapter 17 or something like they um you know abraham's 99 years old comes uh turns 100 or something and he's like face to face with god that's when he becomes abraham so there's always this play and it's throughout the bible right where where the um the character the archetype will have a um a different name in the beginning and then uh after you know it gets changed to their Jacob and God Israel. name, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Their their initiated name, however you want to say it. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. I looked up that word parasite and it seems to mean belonging to a village. Mm. <clears throat> well, I do know that in uh southern Asia, um they have like this. Hold on, I'm sorry. Let me get sorry. Okay. I'm I'm good. I'm gonna switch over before I start um okay. talking about this. Go ahead. All right. <clears throat> Perazi in Hebrew. All right. Oh, interesting. So villagers. I, Hey, run. They have this, like, they have this Veda. It's called the Santi uh, Peyron Veda. And it's about the, one of their chief gods, which is the god of thunder, um, you know, like the sky, it's the sky god. And his name is Peyron, P P E R U N. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah is that you? So I was just going to say you nailed it, Dan. It, it pretty much just means villager, it seems like. Hmm. At least the root word, that's what it's referring to. So interesting so, that that's where so it not, comes from. Not necessarily giant, then just uh, a villager. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're distinguishing like they do the other tribes, right, on their stature or on their uh, status. Mm-hmm. Because giant can either mean status or stature, right? It's kind of ambiguous, it seems like, in that way. It can just mean men of renown. But then it also seems to be referencing giants, people that it talks about at their actual size. So I think what's happening is the people that were of larger stature sort of stood out and were of men of renown because they were so giant, right? Uh, so I yeah. think that's kind of what's happening. And then, yeah, these... so. I think we could guess that these parasites were probably not giants. Yeah. No. Or I mean, you, these people had their own gods before Abraham and Lot separated and started walking through and trying to collect souls or whatever they were doing throughout the uh, crossing of the spherical globe. You know what I mean? 
That's what I'm saying. I, I think it's interesting. <laughs> it says Canaanites and Perizzites here because seemingly every time, uh, that's why I called Abram and Lot foreigners, because it seems like every time uh, they're coming into a new place, there's already Canaanites there or some other group mm -hmm. of people there. So they they seem to be like the natives of that area. So it's very interesting, especially because, you know, I guess maybe that the the lots haven't been divided yet, you know, because uh, I don't I don't remember reading about it, but I thought it was like Japheth that got the north and Ham that got the south and then Shem that got like the middle section and it was divided up into the three sections. So I don't remember uh -huh. reading that so far, but but then we have this other story here of Abram and Lot and they're dividing up sections again. And then it goes, it keeps on going. And then because later on, when you get to Moses, there's another uh, dividing up of sections. You know, Moses is awarded this land that becomes Israel. And then, then there's a section there that's for them. And then, but they're still there with Canaanites. Canaanites are still there. So it's, it's very interesting that they're always seem to be there. So are Canaanites like the native peoples? Is that what Canaanites are? It almost seems like Canaan is like a larger region uh, and there's these different tribes within it. So maybe if you were in that area, you were technically a Canaanite, but there's still these tribes. I'm I'm just trying to figure this out too. So yeah, don't quote no, me on that. I'm with you, Nomad. Yeah. And also like, oh, like Arcane, like, or um, Arcadia, like star systems, even like uh, Arcturus, you know, just like anything with, <sighs> I dare say it, but like time shifting or something happening that's so large and so great that it shifts the entire world. Well, the land shifted. So literally that maybe. Yeah. But I'm just Exodus. saying, like, there's some... we're not there yet, but it's the precursor for X. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all yeah. of this yeah. is going to eat itself in larger circles. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not a... necessarily the exodus of Moses, but it, it seemingly is an exodus of Abram and Lot because they're wandering through these places and then finding land for them to use even though it's already occupied by other people. So uh, they're yeah. I did, from somewhere. I did find a nice summary on the parasites. If I could read it real quick, it's just like a one paragraph. Yeah, go for it. The parasites were a group of people mentioned many times in the Bible as having lived in the land of Canaan before the arrival of the Israelites. The name may be related to the Hebrew term meaning rural person. They were one of the nations of Ham founded on the found on the amazing Bible timeline with world history around 2300 BC. The Perizzites mm. were one of several groups of people occupying the land of Canaan as early as the time of Abraham. They were among the tribes that were not subjected to tribute by Solomon. While the complaint was brought to Ezra that the priests and the Levites would not separate themselves from the Perizzites and the other people of the land. So... I guess oh they came from Ham, and then they had some special privileges when it came to Solomon. No, they didn't yeah. have special pri privileges because it said that Solomon left them out. 
they were not subjected to tribute by Solomon. So what does that mean? I thought that meant like maybe they oh. weren't, they didn't have to give tribute to Solomon. Okay. Like yes. they were given leeway so, on that. So they're like Native That's Americans. They don't, they get to keep it seems like they don't have to pay taxes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're the rural people. They're outside of the system doing their own thing. Yeah. The church needs its money to, you know, it, it was about, and it, it's going to lead up to tithing too. When you start getting into like Rebecca and like teeth and like weird stuff that like gets brought up, but tithing is like a way to save your own soul from purificate, like fire or trial by fire. So they probably bought their way out of it or something. You know what I mean? Or were just excluded because they never ever got conquered. I don't know. I don't know. It's about tithing though. Um, so so there's a uh, there's a whole let me throw some some Kabbalah up in here. Um there's this whole thing with these archetypes, um, these these people. Sorry, excuse me, these people uh, representing a um, certain Sephiroth. So we we spoke about Noah last time <clears throat> and correlated him to the noose. <clears throat> and I want to preface preface by saying, like, if these were, if if this was. Uh, I personally think that there's some truth to the Bible, even like historically. So like these people could have existed and stuff was written about them, but you know, in a long whisper down the lane type thing. And, you know, um, maybe this, the stories were embellished or made up, or maybe they're like half true or not or whatever. So maybe these people existed. Maybe they didn't. Maybe Moses existed. Maybe he didn't. Maybe no, Noah did, but the point I think is that they they, in another way, uh, certainly did exist and certainly do still exist because you know that's the whole thing of like the Bible is is a timeless book because I think you can look at this stuff, um, as a way that we can like learn about ourselves and you know so we're looking at genesis right now and that's like generation um i think one of the facets of this book is it is of the uh story of the soul's spirit's journey into descent into uh matter you know which which we all did uh to get here so what I'm getting at is Noah in this like context or way of thinking, Noah would be the top. Then you got his three sons. And then I think there's like working of, of the, the 10 Sephiroth that everyone knows in, in, um, you know, the Hebrew, uh, tree Kabbalah tree. It's like, there's, there's Sephiroth under those Sephiroth under those Sephiroth. Yeah. So I think that could be a thing of, of the kids. But when we get to Abram, Abram's a lot of time uh, correlated with um, the uh, Sephiroth Chassad, which is uh, mercy 
And there's a lot of nuance to it, which I'm still learning. But again, I like this because it, it really kind of makes me like look at, into this stuff a little bit more, learn some Hebrew and whatnot. And so the the on this thread, it'd be Abram and Sarai are are the masculine and feminine aspects of Chassad. And uh, I don't know if it said it in this verse or not, but Sarai is barren. Uh, she yeah. she doesn't have kids until she becomes Sarah. So in the same context, it's like you can't move on to the next sphere until you've completed your work, till you've become initiated or, you know, changed your name in this case or whatever. And when the Abraham and Sarah change their names, you know, they have another kid or archetype and i don't know the history of it i'm not that big on the bible but the the thing is they have another kid that represents like the sephiroth under it and it and it so could be a a story of this like kind of duality in this uh kabbalistic system that was long-winded but it's all i got no that was i'm glad you that sarah is barren i think we did go over that maybe not I don't, I don't remember. Think, it's been no, a while. We, we haven't yet. And um, you got to remember the birthright being stolen from Abel is where the two brothers kind of like it stems down from that. You know what I mean? Like, and so now we're always going to have like two brothers fighting over for this kingdom i guess you could say so it's going to echo throughout like lot it it echoes throughout the story of lot and abram most definitely and jacob and isaac which is what we're about to get into Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's like there's always two two brothers or two somethings fighting each other and i think that's uh the the part about it that we could like look at it about ourselves is is you know our constant uh battle with ourselves in uh in a lot of different ways the ego defeating the or ego. Deuce, like mm-hmm. um herd mentality or for you to be scared to possibly um do what you're set out to do right like we just like people will form into things that they don't really just it's a lot of like echoing throughout the bible of like people just forming to something and doing something it's almost like these people are possessed i was going to talk about that too because right here (laughs) in verse uh 15 it says i am giving all this land as far as you can see to your descendants as a permanent possession. I think it's interesting that possession and possession, right? Uh, It's interesting that it's used into a spiritual possession, but also a materialistic possession. And so it's kind of, when you brought that possession thing up, uh, it's, it's interesting. It is, but it's also interesting how, um, so I'm going to like try to, uh, like, um, how they described in, I think it was Sumer, I could be wrong, but like in like one of the oldest 
ancient places. Um, I was just like folding clothes and listening to something on TV today. And it was talking about how um, like water runs very softly, but through rock and it will literally cut through rock. Water will cut through rock if it goes through the same path, just constantly, constantly, constantly. It'll run through it. So then that made me think of, because I just read this, it made me think of like the sands and having no water, like being barren, right? Like no no water is like being barren. Um, having like uh, owning like the grains of sand. Um, and I don't know, it just got me thinking like as to like us being like... <laughs> formations of grains of sand literally you know like the way that humans are made and it's through this information that we are aware of it you know what i mean it's just really crazy it's a yeah. living t- yeah i I'm- was um <laughs> <laughs> sorry are you done i didn't mean to cut you yeah off. i'm done um, I was thinking about that too, and it's crazy. This whole talk. So, in the the verse fifteen of the KJV, it says instead of like possession, it says, "And I will give it into thy, or into thy seed forever." So it mm-hmm. says like seed forever. You're reading fifteen, right? When you said p- possession, uh-huh. descend your descendants and a permanent possession. Yeah. So KJV says, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Hmm. So I think it's it's um, really Water. interesting to think about it. Yeah, in the sense of like, <clears throat> okay, to the we'll give it to you to seed forever, and then talking about here how how the seed as the dust of the earth so that man can number uh the dust of the earth um and it's so basically like just like what you said it's sand or whatever if you really think about it <laughs> we are the earth you know like like your parents that made you ate food from of the earth that made you and you have also eaten everything from the earth. So it's like crazy to think about it in that way. And I think too, it's another thing like the whole creation thing. I'm, I'd be interested to, to know what y'all's, I don't think I've heard of it. Maybe you covered it before. Um, if that's cool, I could just go back and listen to an episode. But the the whole creation story, I, I'm I'm more of the opinion that when the earth was ready to be peopled, it was peopled. I'm more, I'm more, um, of the, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Matt Powers or whatever, but he's, uh, I think he's got a show or at least he's on a bunch of shows, but he does um, permaculture and stuff. And he's got like, uh, he's kind of trained and I think he even like works with electron microscopes and whatever, but he is fully convinced that things just spontaneously generate like you know, you leave shit in the fridge and, you know, there's not little like dust things flying around that turn to mold that, you know, the grow the mold or whatever to decay your food. It's just that the like circumstances changed and 
you know, this is like the place that we're in that it like takes care of itself. It changes form. I think in that same sense, but like opposite instead of decaying, I think that when the conditions were right here, um, you know, that we began peopling, I don't think necessarily, I, I don't, you know, and it's all obvious speculation, but that to me sits a little bit better than, you know, cause I've done the mental exercise of thinking back like, okay, my, my parents, mom, now think of the, their mom's mom, mom's mom's mom. And you go back all the way. It's like, okay, then what, <laughs> you know, you well, get, you get to the point where it's like, okay, what? It doesn't make sense. Life, life you're, finds a way. Just like the water, right? It'll find a way. It'll find a path through. So, yeah, I think I think that's a yeah, like an interesting thought there. Life always finds a way to stay alive. Uh, I think even in the Bible, you you go through these different sections, and the peoples are always finding a way to outsmart god or get away from these natural disasters and i think in that way god you could think of as like the environment because you know usually it's associated with sky and rain and thunder and whatnot so in that way they're trying to escape these dire circumstances to find ways to keep on living and so that's why they have to wander they have to go to all these different places because they're trying to find a way to keep life going. And that's why they're having babies at a hundred, because now they tell us like, if you're over 35, uh, you're probably more susceptible to having babies with birth defects and all these other things, or you're, you will be barren if you don't have a baby before you're 40 or all of these other things that, that humans go through now. So it's interesting that in the Bible, though, they're like a hunter and they're like 600 and having kids. So life finds a way when it needs to find a way. And maybe Abraham and Sarah needed to have that child at that time. And that's why they did. I personally think they're, they're uh, Kabbalistic Hebrew encodes, those numbers with crazy ages. Um, I, there's a lot to it with the Hebrew <laughs> gematria, um, totally. which I, I'm, I'll keep an eye out for going forward, but um, it's definitely an interesting thread to pull on. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much more. It's alchemical as well. Once you get to the like wedding and then you get to like the, and you did have an interesting point. I'm sorry to like beeline it, but on the creation story, like, um, it's like we got to remember who the author and who's like whose point of view this is coming from because I think that gets lost on people and I think what also gets lost on people are the lessons of these stories um and that's why they keep getting repeated because people think that if the bible says something then it's it it is what it is and that's it and that's true but there's also like an alt like an alternative view a complete upside down view of what we're being told in this in this book that could possibly also be a way to view it as a lesson yeah there's an alchemical thing going on here 
like uh pk was saying before too and like you have uh put the finger on morgan there's also like a astronomical viewpoint of the stars and everything and it imitating what's going on in the heavens is also what's happening on earth so like pk was saying to that point like one there some of it is embellished and able to fit into those different parameters but the story is mostly true but then things get embellished to to fit into that mold of what the stars are to have those different aspects to it so it tells multiple stories at the same time and that's why it is a living translation because it exists throughout the cosmos and the ages yeah yeah well Well said said. like even if these were real people i to me personally i I don't think that that's the important part i think the the important part is not talking about you know being like oh these were real or not and like even having that debate to me it's totally irrelevant um yeah because it's just about the story and the lesson uh that it tells yeah the story is the the genesis right the genes of isis that uh survive the flood and now they're looking for a new home because their land was destroyed in the flood and now they have to wander and look for a new place to live uh that wasn't part of their allotment because i think that they are atlanteans what did you say? One part of there. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right on, Dan. Me too. Huh? I think Noah <clears throat> and then we're Atlanteans. I think they they were that was like a different version of our of our race. I think this is talking about the evolution, the genesis. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how bad this rock people when it came out? <laughs> Rocked. And I and I know pun intended. I'm serious. Like, and yeah, there's you, wars you have about to, it forever. There's still wars about it. Well, we're <laughs> but you have to remember, like these other lower vibrational entities, archangel, or angel, fallen angels, whatever, um, can't. For some reason, we have a way to like ward them off but they're in this whole story they're trying to find a way to pierce through the veil but they have to use other people mm-hmm. so possession is a very big one on i'm just like almost convinced it's possession um i'm ready to go on to the next chapter if you guys are down if you guys had anything else to add about chapter 13 uh Sounds good to me. I think we covered most of what was going on there. Right? They leaving. Yeah, let's do it. They divided the land. And now we come to Genesis 14. And Abram rescues Lot. What was that? Yeah, just the oscillation between the two, like Lot and and Abram is like, so it, it, I think that's a really vital thing. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Vibration. Yeah, two different paths. One yeah. went to an evil city that got destroyed, and then one got the blessing and promise from God. There you go. And Before, stole the, stole. Spoiler alerts. Let me read it. 
That was the last chapter. All of that. Crying out loud. Okay. Abram. Where were you? Rescues Lot. <laughs> I was right here. Um, about this time, war broke out in the region. King Amphra, Am Raphael, Am Raphael of Babylonia, King Arioch, or Eric of Elisar, King Kedor Laomer, Kedor Laomer of Elam, and King Tadal of Goyim fought against King Bera of Saddam, King Bersha of Gomorrah, King Shanab of Adma, King Shemember of Zebolim, and the King of Bela, also called Zoar. Or is I wonder if that's Zoroastrian. Zoar. Yes, it is. Uh, this second group of kings joined forces in Sidim Valley, Sidim, S-I-D-D-I-M, that is the, the Valley of the Dead Sea. For 12 years, they had been subject to King, King Kedor Laomer, but in the 13th year, they rebelled against him in the 13th year. One year later, Kedor Laomer, Laomer and his allies arrived and defeated the uh, Rephites at Ashtaroth Karnaim, the Zuzites at Ham, the Emites at Shaveh Kirathim, and the Horites at Mount Seir, as far as El Paran at the edge of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat. En Mishpat, uh, now called Kadesh, and conquered all the territory of the Amalekites and also the Amorites living in Hazan Tamar. Then the rebel kings of Saddam, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Bela also called Zoar, prepared for battle in the Valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King Kedarlo-Laomer and Elah of Elam, King Tadal of Goyim, King Amraphel of Babylonia, and King Erelk of Elasar. Four kings against five. As it happened, the Valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Saddam and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Saddam, Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, <laughs> taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Saddam, and carried everything he owned, carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove, belonging to Mamre the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives, Eskol and Anir, were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, 
he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Kador Laomer's army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kador Laomer's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all of the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. Melchizedek blesses Abram. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Laomer and his, all his allies, the king of Saddam went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, Salem, and the priests of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram, my God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he has recovered. The king of Saddam said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Saddam, I solemnly swear, I solemnly, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of goods to my allies, Anair, Eskol, and Mamri. So that's, that's a lot going on there. Mm. A lot of names. I had something to before. Uh, say, I just want to say what's up to Joshua, the branch who has joined us now. What's up, Joshua? Welcome. Nice, it's nice to be here. It's nice to have you with us. So hey, we already branch. we already Imagine. read uh, chapter thirteen of Genesis, and uh, we moved on to chapter fourteen. So that's where we're at now, Joshua. Well, you know, I have. May I testify for a moment? Yes. yes, sir. Oh, my brother, testify. So you're reading 14, but I'm, I thought we were still on 13. So I'm reading 13 here. And just what would you say to sum it up? Like, what's the theme here in 13? Uh, just so it's not just me talking here. I'm trying to make this a thing. Yeah, that, uh, that Abram and Lot uh, had conflict between their their herds being too close together they separated god uh appointed uh land for them each and they split up and lot went to camp near saddam and uh that the land was given to them and their descendants till the end of time uh and that's pretty much where that chapter Kind of ended, and okay, then also so, just sort of on a deeper level, we sort of covered that 
you have the uh, two paths of Abram and Lot. Lot goes to a city that ends up being one of the evilest cities there is. Abram ends up getting blessed by God. And then sort of the overall theme is if you don't spread out, bad stuff happens. Like <laughs> when we get stagnant, and I think we can see that even in our lives, right? Mm. Like there's, it's like, it's harder to stop a thought from moving than to just like accept the thought. You know what I mean? It's like thoughts are just generating. Things are moving. It's when we damn things up that problems uh, seem to happen. That's what so, I agree with on you. a more deeper level. Mm-hmm. I'm glad like, you brought that. That goes on with like vibration too, right? And uh, hermetic principles of like everything has movement. So when things get still. They all mm-hmm. they- they oscillate back and forth because they can't like fit in the same spot. So Lot and Abram are oscillating. They make the cross. They go east to west, north to south, um, and name and number every grain of sand that has no water. And springs start coming through. I guess that'll that that happens next. But yeah. But in it, but I think the overall theme is like somebody's telling two different things, two different things, like promising one here and then promising one here to get something done. Basically. So, so that was our thoughts. What did you think? PK, did you have any thoughts to share before I said anything? No, go for it. Um, okay, guys. So I'm gonna have to be honest. I, my friend, yeah, as you know, I went to hang out with some friends, right? So none of this was my idea. <laughs> but we ended up at some gay bar because one of the people was gay. Okay, and we're here reading about Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Me, you know what I mean? Like I, I was not enjoying it. And then when we come home, that's what it's about. And I was just like, you know what? I feel affirmed. (laughs) So, you know, I was like, I I really, and it was just like the whole time I was there, I was like, it has to be the end of the world. You know, the stuff I was seeing there, I was like, this is, this is, this is disgusting. I don't know. Sorry. I don't want to thank anybody. But anyway, so yeah, that's hilarious. How fitting is that? So that's why I had to testify because I was like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) And see, here's what's really wild. So in chapter 13, it's talking about all these cattle and stuff. Abram's cattle, Lot's mm-hmm. cattle. One of the girls that was there with us was a cattle rancher and did with horses <laughs> and stuff. And she's talking about having thousands of cows and stuff. So, I mean, I'm like reading this. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, this is hitting on all kinds of points here. And I'm just thinking like, oh. So what was the reason that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? It was because... Of the wickedness and the immorality, yeah. and he sent angels there to gather Lot out of the. Uh, I'm sorry if this was twelve, but uh, but yeah, go ahead. He, he gathered them out of there, and they were trying to screw the angels, you know. So anyway, I just there was a lot of other things I could share, but I, I think that's enough. <laughs> I think there's more than that going on. In- it's Sodom and Gomorrah. I think it's genetic testing. I think it's like the the same stuff we have today um, available. This ancient old AI 
technology that um, we're still practicing eugenics with because we're being to and led to by a false something otherworldly, something that is a stranger to here. Um, one more thing that I thought was strange was, of course, they had rainbows everywhere there. <laughs> and this story we're reading is not far removed from the flood, which is where the rainbow originates. You know, so it's it's like a flirting with destruction kind of attitude. Um, you know what I mean? So it really is pride in a lot of ways. And uh, I don't know. I just I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to dwell on it for too long, but I felt like that's what I had to share because I felt like everything I was experiencing tonight was like a sign. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, uh, I got to forget my Bible. It like reminds you, it's like how messed up the world really is when you are in some places like that. Dude, you just pulled out the door and raced the Bible study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like chasing right into the arms of Jesus. Taxi. So, like I couldn't wait to leave. But, you know, anyway, I was there with like four other or like three other girls. So I was, you know, in a group. But, you know, it was weird being there because I thought even if you were into this, like it's Decepticon City. Like, what's going on? <laughs> here? You know, like this is crazy. And this can't produce new, n- more humans. This is this is a dead end. So I could see right. why he destroyed it. You know what I mean? Like it was all it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Now, some people I've heard say that there, it wasn't actual, like, um, I guess, homosexuality, but it was more on, like, the forceful act that was being condemned. Have you guys ever oh, heard like a rape of sorts? Yeah. Well, also, the women of the temple of that time were becoming prostitutes. I don't know. We haven't gotten there yet, but that's when the high priestesses turn into prostitutes within the next couple of chapters so it gets really inverted like these holy holy figures that are like anna mary you know like the the holiest of holies are selling themselves that that's what ends up happening there well and they had sodomy which is kind of where these overlap so i think and, and that's what they're doing today, you know, that the panda panda eyes relate to that same thing. Uh, uh, this whole concept is related to like oracles and, you know, they connect somehow. I don't know. It's a big thing. I didn't want to go down that road. In fact, I, I think I'm done. What was it? Sorry. Okay, go ahead. He's talking about portholes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds like innuendo. Stop it. Oh, wait. The uh, Titan had a porthole, a single porthole for the, you remember the Titanic sub mm-hmm. thing that just sank? We can kind of timestamp this episode in a way by referencing that. And the Titan and Titanic. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, well, uh when you get into um greek philosophy or like just greek anything i mean the titanomachy is a huge deal like but here's the thing has it happened yet did it already 
happen? Are they like trying to come through? See, this is what I said. Basically, you got a whole host of evil entities or maybe not just like strange entities trying to enter this planet through other people or through like other portholes, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so go feel free. I'm interested here, uh, Nomad, in what uh, Shaveh Kiriathayim, S-H-A-V-E-H dash K-I-R-I-A-T-H-A-I-M, what that means in the Hebrew. Uh, sorry, which verse again? Uh, this is five. five. Verse 5. In chapter 14? Yes. All right. Let's see. Uh, because there's another All right, interesting. Can I say the word again? Shaveh Kiriathayim. Kiriathayim. All right. Are you talking about? It says the Emites at this. And so this is apparently where they are from, but where where is this Shavah? What makes that word stand out? Because I'm looking at 15 other words that oh, yeah. are just as <laughs> confusing <Yeah>. to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why'd you pick that one, Dan? Um, I don't know. Uh like Zuzites, I get Korites, I get uh Rephites, I get uh Astaroth Carnaum, I I think I may know. Uh I know who Astaroth is. So um and then uh so and then the other ones are just kings of different places. Uh I don't know why that one stood out. So I have it here. So Shaveh means plain or level plain. The valley where the king of Sodom met Abram after a battle. And then the other word, let's go back here. It was uh, Kirathaim, right? Yeah. yeah. And that means two cities. A city east of the Jordan in Moab and a town in Naphtali allotted to the Jershonite Levites. Naphtali, double city, dual of yes, Naphtali. Did did you say something about on the on either side of the river, like they were split by the river? Uh, did I? I don't think I did. Maybe I just heard that. Okay, city. Oh, a city east of the Jordan in Moab. So the Jordan would have been yeah, the Jordan River, River, I guess. So yeah, good call. I didn't say river, but the proper noun. Good catch. This is where they say that later on, this is where, um, uh, what, what's Jacob's brother's name? Um, Isaac, Esau, Esau, Esau. Isaac. Jacob and Esau. This is where the East Esau. Edomites, uh, their territory is the East of the Jordan river late. That's later though, but ends up being yeah there's this whole theme throughout the old testy of of waters being split right i mean it starts in the beginning and then we keep we keep splitting waters 
on throughout. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a it's a natural border. Brothers. It's a natural border. Yeah. Well, it's also potentially primordial. What do you guys think about that? Hundred percent. We've went over that in the beginning, right? That says that the waters were here and God was fluttering over it. So we've probably discussed this, but I'm curious: mm-hmm. is that would you say that aligns more with your thinking, PK? Of like this, there so was I, this essence that was before everything else, and that was potentially water, the life, the Eve, the woman. It's yeah, the water. Did God the make water? This- in this place, it, it's talking about, uh, you know, or the theme, and I I think there's like so many ways to look at it. So like when I when I like mentioned that the one this one like way, it's just like one way to interpret it. And I don't think I just want to say like I don't think one way is like more right than the other way, <laughs> you know. So right. I don't want to come across like that. Um, but I I think the uh, rivers is is our our fluids or talking about specifically splitting the rivers uh or the waters it's like you got your um in our bodies we have waters that do different stuff we have generative waters that are like the creative force and then we have um the other waters which sustain us um you know and even like water like cerebral brain fluid or you know spinal fluid right that's another kind of water used for um living and so i think a lot of this too is is uh kind of slick very very like hidden alchemical talk of uh doing the great work uh morgan brought up to me that she recently watched uh the movie prometheus and that's kind of what happens in the beginning is this alien or whatnot comes down and he kind of seeds the water. And then the, from that, it creates all the life. Now, I know that's just a movie. We're talking Bible, but it's a, it's also another interesting reference, right? Of seeding the water. That's because the water is the life creation. We're made up of water. So, um, it's, very interesting that's primordial we're talking about god hovering over the waters and and whatnot so it kind of plays into that aspect of yeah i think there's layers to it it could be um uh what's it called waters like uh the expanse as well getting back to what you were saying man i think that's uh the firmament a, a part of it well, I think that's the question is regardless of text, just if you go internally, what do you guys think? Do you think that the creator of all is outside of our existence completely? Or is it within our existence and water was already here, if that makes any sense? Well, we all okay, have the I- ability to create also. So if we're going inwards, then then it's our... It's our seed water, right? It's our fluids. Um, I just recently listened to a show, um, and it was actually really on point, and it's a little controversial, but put out in the best way possible. Um, I think it's Random Facts Randy. Um, he uh, was talking about 
What? Shout out. Shout out. Yeah, that was an excellent show. Um, it's about time and whatnot. But he brought up how the moon is a plasmoid object or gives us like it's made of plasma, basically. Okay. So we have this. The moon represents water, which represents emotion and all that great, great, wonderful things. Cancer um, is its home. Um, and then you got to think about reproduction, the constellation Cancer. Have you ever looked at it upside down? It looks like a vagina. Um, there's just like so many different references to like, Cancer, the moon, reproduction, and like astrological things going on here. Hmm. A lot. I don't think God is necessarily, or our creator is outside of us. I think that oof, this is kind of like an area of like dominant, us being like, like chained to something like something that is not of the best like i don't really know what i'm trying to say all i'm saying is god does live in each and every one of us because if you have that experience you can't take that away from somebody and it's also contagious is another thing i've learned from experience seeing it Um, yeah yeah that's a good point I almost wonder if um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is like the the software and perhaps God the Father is sort of outside of the expanse. And, the, and because Jesus said that he had to leave so the Holy Spirit could come here, right? So it's almost like there's the creator outside of the expanse and then Jesus had to come into the simulation to show us that we could upgrade to the Holy Spirit and uh, not simulation, I shouldn't say, uh, but yeah. like into this, into this reality. 3.0. Yeah. Okay. So you're making me think of, <laughs> Neo, of Neoplatonism. Remember yeah. going over that, uh, Dan, with Neoplatonism? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's expansive. I, I tend to believe this too, because it's like, there's there's like a, a a god behind the god it's like there's a big g and the big g is something that our human brains can't we can't wrap our ha- heads around we can't left brain that um and it's it's the uh the god behind the god if you will uh the unbegotten but also the like ever becoming but then and that we can't comprehend we can't even like uh perceive but then um there like god um i don't know if you want to say like split or like uh he he forced his divine will or you know so he did his thing whatever that was the great mystery and then created this realm this 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 universe um if you will so everything that we can see everything that we can perceive is is uh not necessarily the big g but it's his creation um you know and it's ever manifesting 
always in this moment. Um, that's kind of the best I got on that. But but it reminds me of what you said. Reminds me a whole lot of the uh, Neoplatonism, how they break that down, um, where you got the one, and then you got the noose, and then you got I forget the that's psyche, where- and then something. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we are. We're, we're in, in the noose. That. We're in. Yeah. But everything's think- everything's in the noose. Everything. Well, that's our is but ahead, like. Buddy. Where that's where you gain like all of your Sophia or what have you, but it's also a place where you hang yourself. So, cheers. I would uh, also add that there's something mysterious somehow that the word connects to this. The 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 story connects to this the alphabet the alphabet somehow for some reason that's part of the matrix i don't want to even say simulation because matrix actually is in the bible it's referred to as the womb or the hymen Mm. so you know we're birthed into this world matrix so not to give god female connotations by any means um i'm just suggesting that there's something there about what's the wrong with that logos. Well, I don't personally believe that. This, this, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there is a um, prologia, a story. There, there is a there is a word. There's some there's basis to the words there. That's a somehow it's important. So maybe that's the masculine component that goes along with creation somehow. But what's also interesting about the logos is that in hebrew there are the three mothers and that's uh aleph shin and mem and aleph is the bull shin is the spirit or teeth and then you got mem which is memory and you know water i think so um it it all kind of (laughs) seems fitting i guess that so what's this story of the bull so to speak and i've often wondered if Maybe this Aleph character is linked to the golden calf sin in the desert. Like, um, you know, were they trying to say that God looked like a cow, you know, or a bull or whatever? And so I've often wondered, like, where they, I mean, obviously they got it from Babylonia or Mm -hmm. Egypt or something like that. But I just always found that really interesting because those are the three mothers of their language, too. So they, clearly do venerate Aleph. It's the very first letter. A is Aleph. And uh, Alpha is, you know, what it's often called too. And so, you know, a bull, the bulls have very much testosterone, you know, so very much an Alpha thing going on there, you know. So I kind of do see some interesting parallels there. And one of the other stories that I find interesting is that egg of the year with the bull plowing the breaking the egg or whatever <laughs> like i, I can't yolk. even remember what the, theogony that is yeah but um yolk bed that, that kind of comes to mind when i think of aleph and the creation and all this and so what's in that egg would kind of almost be like logos in a sense or something i don't know i'm not saying all that's true i'm just saying i'm trying to see the parallels here mm-hmm. that might be there and why it always seems to come back to a bull 
Um, and so we got the Milky Way too, which is a really big part of our, I mean, that's something we can see. So I think that's something cool to think about is like, well, our creation of our galaxy very prominently so is the Milky Way. And Split. so maybe there's something to all that cow stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know what it could all mean, but it, it, I, I don't know. It's just really strange. So is that Lucifer? Is that, you know, what is, is, it, is that? Is the Milky Way um, the Jordan River? It's the air. I've heard it maybe referenced as that yeah, as well. Yeah. So anyway, uh, pardon my speculation on this. I just find oh. that very interesting. Maybe it's the Ed Ego and Super Ego. Well, and Unicorn is actually not a unicorn, but what's called a Reem Ox, which is a wild ox. So the bull itself is that. Taurus is that. So um, so really, Aleph is a unicorn, not so much a bull. I mean, you know what I mean? It's kind of interchangeable. So well, Food for thought. Go ahead, Newman. Interesting. You mentioned that Matrix is in the Bible. So in Exodus 13, verse 12, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the Matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the male shall be the Lord's. And then if we go to that word Matrix, look it up in Hebrew, it's Rechem, and that translates to womb, as you mentioned. Uh, and then if we look at the root word for that, it is meaning mercy, compassion, pity, love, merciful, ruhama, or surely. So I, I just find it interesting. I feel like that term matrix surely. has really been sort of demonized and and uh, yeah, twisted. But like, but yeah, it's like the means mercy and like womb and love. Like that's pretty cool. So thanks I for mentioning totally. that. Good call. That's definitely one of the words that's been turned upside down. Yeah. Well, and even the Gnostics kind of had a weird simulation matrix type theory of their own. <laughs> so they, in in, in the, uh, what is the Cathars, I think that they too thought that uh, entering in through the matrix, like was trapping souls into this lower vibration reality and uh right they just hope to escape it or something so i mean they took that matrix stuff a lot further than we even do with our fantasy stuff they they actually lived it in a, in right. a way. Yeah. so that's of course why they aren't around anymore because they didn't procreate but they thought the grass was greener on the other side <laughs> i guess so yeah oh and say, uh, go uh, ahead I was just going to say something real quick about that words and the logos, like, or, or just words. <clears throat> so I think that equates to, if you, if you kind of think about what separates man, what separates humans from, from animals, it's, it's uh, intellect and reasoning. So I think words, um, not necessarily like the word, but the word can perhaps be like the the logic of this place or the intellect of this place. And so words can equate to thoughts. So basically you, you have thoughts, then you have like desire, which is coupled with will. And then um, there's one more aspect to it that I can't think of right now. 
but go ahead. Well, I do appreciate what you just said there because um, I think that might even be a little bit behind what's behind the kosher thing, you know, is like maybe animals are the creator of all these things would know, okay, it's certain branches in this DNA, you know, these animals are less evolved for lack of better word. And then you got the animals that are closer to the human where, you know, maybe because crows have ability to speak. Um, some other animals at times will have abilities to speak or have uh, ability, the capacity for training. Um, dolphins and whales have their own language. I mean, every animal has a language to a degree as well, but some do seem to have that higher order of intellect. And I think that is, you know, like it's more taboo to eat, you know, like a monkey or a dog than it is like a deer, for instance. Well, the deer doesn't seem to have any redeeming qualities other than just being graceful and stuff, you know, but so I think there might be something to that and why we're not supposed to eat those is because maybe for the same reasons that eating human flesh, you know, damages you greatly, you get the shakes, right? Kuru. And so maybe when you eat animals that are too close to human, it harms you, you know what I mean? So maybe that's why we're supposed to eat certain animals is because they're far enough away, genetically speaking, that maybe they, the prions and the proteins don't cause problems. I, I, that's just a theory. Yeah. So the third yeah, one was emotions. Sorry. Just wanted to throw that in there thoughts. And then you got the desire and the will, and then you got emotions. And what, what really separates humans is, is the thought is the intellect is the reasoning. And the, yeah. Good. And animals seem to experience motion to a degree. Some of them. Right. Oh yeah. They have emotions for sure. And that's part of the kosher thing too, is like the killing of them is to be swift and they're not to suffer and so on and so forth. So I, I think that that emotive quality is still present there even then, because, you know, maybe you're consuming that emotive energy. So, yeah, yeah. That's what I was mm -hmm. saying. Like the, the men or, or humans aren't to like live by their, um, we'll say emotions guide that that's what drives beast beasts live by emotions you know they feel like imagine if you couldn't think in your head imagine if you couldn't talk to yourself um you know you'd, you'd be driven by by pure emotion like a beast mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point uh there's there's also this in uh norse mythology too of of uh hugen and mugen uh, hugen and moonen which are the two ravens on each of uh, the shoulders of Odin. So you have the left, the right, and the center. And the I would say like the bull, the LF is probably Odin's head. And then the other two are uh, the other ones. Um, I think one was thought and the other was memory, which again, Mem comes up there. Moonin Moonin means memory or mind, and uh, Hugen means thought. It's kind of like Benah and Chokma, the first two emanations after Keter on the mm. tree of Sephiroth tree. Mm -hmm. Hey, buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the ones ones uh, like the intellect, uh, and then the ones like usually it says like wisdom, 
and intellect or whatever, but as far as, or it says wisdom and intelligence, but as far as I can understand it, like being better. Yeah. Chokma is more instead of, yeah. Wisdom. I like understanding too. Cause it's like, it's the intuition. It's the like, you know, mama bear knows to protect her kids, her cubs. And just in the same way, but, but multiply that human beings know right from wrong. Cause it's an intuitive thing, you know, when I think it's such bullshit, the whole, like, Oh, it's evil, evil subjective. I mean, yeah, maybe if you get into like politics and get so like nuanced and shit, but no one's going to think that doing something super evil, you know, there, there is a objective evil, you know, and I, that comes from Chokma. That's just intuition that we, that we're given, um, you know, as a living uh, creature. And then be not is, is how, uh, is the thought of that is, um, just the intelligence, um, thinking through that to get to the understanding or intuition. Yeah, I would say there is a prime resonance that we all have, and there are certain energies that can be put out that are definitely uh, don't resonate with that prime resonance, uh, like hate, for example. When someone's being hateful, that's pretty much uh, universally felt, I would say. So, yeah, great points, PK. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, too, Nomad. Um, how important it is, like, Because we all have that like inner ability to be ugly, like on the inside, you know what I mean? So it's just a really good reminder of like, we all have that capability. Most people just choose to be horrible and it takes a lot more courage and effort to not be, to not act just on straight emotion, to actually think the thought through, you know? Yeah, or like if someone asks you to do something and you just do it, but you're like giving off a hateful energy, it's almost probably better that you just didn't do it. Like, than to have like, because because then they're just gonna feel bitter about the whole thing, and it will be like conflict. Well, the um, word so says it, that also about fasting, not to let people, not to like make it look like you're suffering. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point in showing up if you're not showing love? That's I heard someone say it like that once, and I thought that was good. I think that's excellent and very pertinent in times that we're going through (laughs) as a collective. Like, yeah, it's hard, you know, it's so hard, (laughs) you know that, but it's still like you feel worn down, you're tired and it's easy to get sucked into that, that energy that like, Oh, oh, woe is me. Or I don't want to be here or I'm, I'm miserable, but you can flip the switch. It's just, it's hard and it takes practice. And more courage to go against group thought or collective hate or like a collective evil. Uh, It takes more courage to like show kindness or like maybe, you know, we're all human. Yeah, it's different for everyone, I think. Right. Or some people might uh, just take of like, oh, what was me? Look at me. I have to do the dishes or like, you know, like, yeah, okay, your life is hard. It's okay, You know everyone's is i think and it's just like a a decision a thoughtful decision you make not to be so hateful or negative or like i don't know i find myself falling into that especially since covid i've found myself 
And, you know, I think it could possibly be, I don't watch the news. I just, I had to quit, but I think like this has penetrated, this strange time that we're in has penetrated so far to where you can't avoid it. Like there's just no safe space where you can avoid this fucking overspill of information that you have to discern through because you, I mean, we're going through some crazy times. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like, yeah, that that's exactly where someone has driven our craft straight to Sodom and Gomorrah and landed, you know, and got drunk and we're just stuck here. You know what I mean? Like, this is nuts. Or people are happy to be in Sodom and Gomorrah or that, I don't know. I think that well, some people arrive um, in evil chaos. Have you ever heard of the concept of Hellenization? Uh, yes. So, yeah, I think that's what we're experiencing is when the religion, the predominant religion, which in our case is Christianity, begins to blend with the culture of the natives. And of course, yeah. in our case, with it being such a diverse population, it's just it becomes a homogenous mix, which is what qualifies us, I think, as Babylon. Uh, modern day Babylon. Well, and not it's like the reason why they forced everyone, I don't even know who they are, but the reason why it's collectively forced everyone to be so open-minded, it it's forced down your throats. And then um it's like this is supposed to be okay, or like these things are supposed to be all right, but like it it will really I don't know. It's just, I'm sorry. I'm going through some things too. So it's just like, it's, it's really good to, to go through this. This is, this was good. Thank you. Sorry for my rants. Good. I have a rant of my own. Uh, you mentioned uh, nomad uh, when I asked you about that word, um, the Shaveh Kirathayim, that it was something to do with, Naphtali, uh, which is the brother of Dan. Um, interestingly, in, in Mormons, in the Book of Mormon, there's a group called the Nephites. Do you guys think that Nephites and Naphtali are similar or different? Or because it says in the Book of Mormon that Nephites are one of the four groups, along with the Lamanites, Jaredites, and Mulekites that have settled in the ancient Americas, uh, referred to settling of them in the ancient Americas in a couple episodes ago. But um, do you think that plays into any of that? Because uh, it's Nephtali interesting. To see. It says Jaredites also, and then it says that Neph Nephi was the son of the prophet Lehi, which is almost kind of like Levi, right? Yeah, so Kirathium, which meant two cities, was a city east of the Jordan in Moab, a town in Naphtali allotted to the Jershonah Levites. So yeah, there, there's some context for you. Yeah, Jershonites? Gershonites. Oh, Gershonites. G E R S H O N I T E. Gershonite. Okay. Gershonite. I think that Gershonite this. Gershonite is... Levites. Yeah. 
this is like getting ready for like the battle against the Philistines. So you have the neophytes and the Philistines basically getting ready to go to war. Uh, and then somebody said uh, Shakina, right? Shakina, which it means a, a dwelling or uh, uh, a settling and denotes the presence of God, as it were, in a place. So the Shakina, uh, I find that interesting too, as it kind of relates to the tribe of Dan and then Dan, and the brother of Naphtali. So if Dan goes underground, they're going into the dwelling or they're settling, whereas uh, it's the presence of God. Um, so that's kind of interesting too, because then, because in a lot of times it says Dan is always going underground, uh, seemingly as there's something under there that is better than outside. Uh, and Dan is the judges, so there's often the sayings like uh god is my judge or only god can judge me uh things like that so judgment is often uh given to god like god is the judge of everyone but then interestingly it gets handed down to this tribe to be able to judge all of his fellow people and so there's an interesting connection to uh god like handing down this judgment to a group and they seemingly have these godlike qualities to them uh so <clears throat> remember when we were talking to um uh genesis 6 um gary wayne i asked him if maybe mary slept with somebody from the tribe of dan which produced uh this godly jesus baby because she didn't necessarily sleep with god but maybe it was a godlike being and maybe the tribe of dan is this angelic group of um humans uh and this is why they seemingly go everywhere i'm just trying to put some things together here but what are you guys thoughts on that Yeah, I think you're on to the, to the, this is all like, uh, going to revelate out through the Bible. I think you're getting us ready for some really good points because things are about to straighten out when it comes to the tribe of Dan. I think that they are the, the watchers and they are the, um, the off, off planet race or whatever. Um, but I, I truly think that once we dig more deeper, it'll come, it'll revelate. And then there will be a reason why, because everyone is blameless in the Old Testament. So. Yeah, no matter. I think the branch had something to add. He's posting about Naphtali. Yeah, I found some links here. Um, I seem to recall, although I couldn't really find anything with a cursory search there but it's i seem to recall that maybe naphtali was one of the tribes that was uh seafaring mm. which of course they were along the uh, 
I think the the Jordan and the Sea of Galilee. So um, I guess that they could have, in fact, been seafaring, and it's uh, even suggested in this article that they may have founded Norway, which is, of course, very far from Israel. So, um, yeah, with the tribe of Dan having those types of connections also with the northern areas and, of course, Nephtali being right by Dan and mm -hmm. the territories there, it all seems to make sense. Now, I know a lot of people want the burden of proof, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of makes common sense to me right there that those two would be both sea dwelling because we know that about Dan and Naphtali was right beside him. They're both by the body of, of water. So yeah. I think that's something to consider is that maybe they did uh, wander around. This is considered one of the lost tribes, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe part of the reason they're lost is because they vanished on <laughs> ships and ended up halfway across the world. Um, but yeah, this, this, you know, the Irish could have their roots and things like this, like with Dan or Naphtali or whomever. Mm -hmm. There's also like a, a Phoenician city in, in Israel, or maybe it's not Israel, but it's right there on the Mediterranean coast near Israel, at least. Uh, 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 I think it's in a, might be in Beirut or. Uh, Beirut's in Lebanon, I think. Yeah, it could but be. It's so pretty close to the sea. Could be in Lebanon then, but there was a city, and uh, it might even still be there. Tyre, T Y R E. Oh yeah. Or people call it Tyre or Tyre. But interestingly, there is a Norse god named Tyr, T Y R. And I think that maybe that that god was brought over to the Norse uh, through the these uh, seafaring people uh, groups, which would have been Dan and Naphtali and. Uh, many Canaanites also, um, and and because well, I would it does explain say, why tears at the top of the pantheon and is all about justice and stuff, right? So mm -hmm. it'd be like their Dutch. Nordic equivalent to Christ, essentially. Mm -hmm. Kind of strange. It's interesting too. Is and in, in the Norse mythology, it said that tear came from the east, so he wasn't uh, he wasn't from uh, that region. He came over there uh, oh, from the okay. east, so. There's another connection there. Uh, and then if Naphtali went to Norway, like in that article that you posted, uh, and Dan went to Denmark, Denmark, then it would be, I guess you could kind of connect the dots there that maybe that, that person, that God, uh, so-called God. Ended yeah, that's up in, interesting. In the Norse also. North. Denmark and, Naft and uh, Naphtali going to norway yeah is tuesday named after tier as well tiwas yeah tier yep tuesday is named after tier or two that's mars association and so that's a warlike entity yep yes, but now we're getting into like that area where um you're gonna like we're things are going to start being done and then like undone, like A, B, B, A. It, you know, that's just how the structure of these things work, like to do something and then undo it and then have something happen and then Fix correct it. it. Mm -hmm. So I looked up 
Neftali, just in the Bible, um, not even like my own like weirdness. Um, and it says that the sixth son of Jacob and Bala, the name is explained by a Piranomasia. So I looked up that, uh, which is also called an agnominatio. Agnominatio. I don't speak Latin. I barely speak English, but um, that means it's just like another word or another placement used in a form of another place. That's like the definition of these words. So it's like a rhetorical term. Basically, Neftali, humor, dual meaning, a pun, things like that. Hmm. So, Interesting. I just thought it, it also sounds a lot like Agamemnon, but I won't, I digress. Yeah. Agamemnon. Also, see, it says here it can refer to my struggle. Mein Kampf, not the Nazi. Yikes. Um, wait a second. Is that what my Kampf means? My struggle? Yes. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. So Hitler wrote a book titled Natali, basically. (laughs) Yeah, he wrote. He actually, the story goes, he wrote it in, because I didn't watch it, but he wrote it in prison. And this is before he had his uprising, before he sprung up and became dictator of Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was unexpected. Thank you. That's what I mean. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> also, when people talk well, about. We were just talking uh, about. Go ahead, no man. So I was just going to say, uh, when we were talking about Kirathium, which is kind of what sparked this conversation, said it was a town in Naphtali allotted to the Jerushanite Levites. So G-E-R-S-H, Jerush, almost sounds like German or something. You know, oh. they the go down this rabbit hole, the more you're going to find out the Germans are pretty much involved in the Ostrogoths in a lot of this whole scenario of like what's happening like the more you like it's a lot of this is german a lot of it's greek too but you're absolutely right the germans Mm. they play a larger you know you'll you'll like this then morgan because it says uh, the gershonites were one of the four main divisions among the levites in biblical times the bible claims that the gershonites were all descended from upon it uh Eponymous Gershon, a son of Levi, not to be confused with Moses' son, Gershom, although some biblical scholars regard this as post-dictional metaphor, providing an, what's with these words, etology of the connectedness of the clan to the others in the Israelite confederation. So the Gershonites were one of the four main divisions among the Levites. Mm-hmm. so this plays into the and and gershon was the son of levi so if lehi is levi 
and Neftali is Nephi, then that means that they made it over to America also um, at some point. So uh, I find that well, yeah, very they- interesting. Uh, when we talk to, um, oh, dang it, I'm blanking right now. Uh, but he told us about the yeah. moonstone. I think it's called the moonstone that they found in like Arizona area. And it had pre Hebrew writing on it. Um, so there's an interesting connection. It has in his hand, the beginning of America and like some pre, uh, what is that stone? It's moonstone, bro. Oh, it's a moonstone. It's from the moon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so oh, that's where it went. Yeah, I got it from the moon. Selenite, plasma. Let's get it tested. I know what the shit's made out of. I do of. think it is just like dark. I don't know. It's I think it's some type of quartz, but yeah. It was labeled I, moonstone. I think it's <laughs> yeah. Chal- Chals- I think Chal- Um Moonstone is a is a looks like it's like a type of crystal yeah i was trying to, yeah, all it, these words that come up are super complicated seems <laughs> like soft milky colored stones in the feldspar group of minerals from sri lanka <clears throat> Myanmar, and india color and light shift within the gems iridescence making it appear as if the stone is fluid or watery and glowing from within this ethereal appearance is called adolescence. That's a moonstone. And that's a uh, tangent. What were, you, what were we talking about, Dan? Sorry, that that's was so uh, good. That was Adam Stokes, um, by the way, that was uh, telling us about the stone. I, I'm not oh, even sure right. if it was called and moonstone. Had, uh, uh, but it had pre Hebrew on it or something. Uh, yeah. I have a theory if you're mm-hmm. done. Yeah, go for it. So so I want to know what you guys think about this. Um <clears throat> so looking at you know reading the Bible a little bit more and like really looking at the Hebrew and then looking at the translation. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of these places uh, and I haven't gone like super deep in the places, mostly with names, but but I have come across a few places. And so I wonder how widespread this is. And what I'm talking about is the whole Israel thing, right? Mm. So Israel, back when they wrote this Bible, right? They say it wasn't a place. You could look it up. It like, you know, was founded in 1948 or some shit. Like it was not even that old. And so it's like this like Israel chosen people idea got totally flipped sideways into an actual place. Now, I wonder, again, looking at this and getting a little bit more familiar with the Hebrew, even the Hebrew letters, the names of these places are like saying something just in that language. Like if it's got you know, mem and a mem final or, you know, mm-hmm. there's just so many like deep clues of, of, um, in the language. So I just wonder like, how far does that go? Another example would be, uh, Mitzrahim, 
um, which gets interpreted, translated to uh, Egypt, right? And so Egypt, no, you know, allegedly no one in Egypt ever called it Egypt, you know? Um, so, you know, it's written Mitzrayim in the Bible, yet now it's translated to Egypt, and we call it Egypt on a map. We're taught it's Egypt, but yet the people there don't even freaking call it Egypt. So how did Mitzrayim get to Egypt? Um, and and so I wonder if this is like a my theory, the 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 whole like uh conspiracy theorist in me, um, you know, <laughs> is like that they take these some of these old texts and they um will labor will label or map out a place uh based on the text to take away its hidden meaning to take away the power of it uh to make it even more esoteric uh and hard to understand and i think y'all get enough of my theory so i'll stop yeah. right there but what do you guys think about about that like how widespread it is i'm not saying like it's all like that like throw it all out no i i'm just saying like a part of me is just uh like how much stuff did they do this because israel is a perfect example um of it and i know there's a probably a million more examples yeah that yeah exactly. i think there's a lot the of answers magic everywhere going on for sure <laughs> yes a b b a a b b a a b b a and costello Run the uh real quick uh it was it's called the los lunas decalogue stone and it's located in los lunas new mexico and it contains the text of the ten commandments written in pre-ancient paleo hebrew so this would have been um after moses seemingly right uh because technically moses is the one that got the ten commandments so it's interesting um that you have these uh these characters maybe they went to the north first and then they came down to the americas afterwards and maybe that's why vikings were here later too because they, they already were aware of america um because of their descendants uh coming here before you can't map out Wait. east or west oh east or west what? from what map out in a definite east and a definite west if we're yeah. a, a, on fear like there will always be in the east and west, and they will all. Nostradamus said it. They'll always be fighting. Right. Even if you're on a flat Earth, there's still no east and west. So. Yeah. True. Whatever Earth you're on, you're on egg Earth, spaceship Earth. I like to think we're on the Argo Navis. I mean, whatever you choose, man. We can. We have that ability right now, where you can just like. That's. <laughs> I think that's adventure. where free will. And it's funny you say adventure because that word got brought up a lot when I was reading the Bible or listening to the Bible. But um, like when I, and this reminds me of like the whole concept of free will. Like um, if you think about it, all these people knew whenever this time era was, I, whenever it was, all they knew is war, hunger, famine, and this voice in this promise of something guiding them through this wilderness 
And another thing that's not very commonly talked about is they would send people out into the wilderness in Egypt at a certain time period. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, and they'd go out and write a story and then they'd come back with their story. And if their story was good enough, it would be like praise or you'd be go down and yeah, truly. And also uh, they would like, try to because it was like a race of your like story they would try to condense it so small by using different hieroglyphic figures than what was actually assigned to that thing to make it shorter so they could do it faster and smaller and then these people would buy the amulets right these stories and wear them around their neck so i think that's freaking just albatross nuts uh Totally. Uh, not not to uh, obfuscate obs- what PK was saying, but with the Israel thing, uh, there's also uh, kind of talk of there being more than one Jerusalem. Also, so there's there's a idea that maybe Israel wasn't in Israel, and Israel was in other places, or Jerusalem was in other places, uh, and not just where it's located at now and when you have like a lot of the bible talking about this movement of these people from to these different places perhaps you know their their home was flooded and they're looking for new places to live and so they're going from to different places or maybe they're even trying to get back to where they were before and that's why they went north or who knows what but Maybe that's why you have so, these different incarnations of these same names in different places because they were moving everywhere and settling there and then renaming those places after themselves or or where they came from. Just like in America and Utah, the Mormons, when they came out here, they renamed all of the places and the mountains there after like Dan and Naphtali, their cities named that in Utah. And it's all laid out exactly like biblically uh to the biblical layout of these places too but just in utah because that's where a lot of the mormons settled so they renamed it after these biblical cities and then people get it confused and they say no those were named first and then they went out to the east and named them there so you get like this back and forth of like no uh israel was in america and then or egypt was in america or whatever beforehand so you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to get settled on on that, but I think people in the know are just laughing at everyone. <laughs> Talk about it. Cause they they they're like, you guys are fucking stupid. You and, a uh, podcast. Dude, dude, like how funny would it be if we named this place after this book and like, you know, people <laughs> thought it was this place. And then we name another place across the world the same thing. But no, it's funny you say Salem because in oh, verse Salem 18 too, yeah. of Salem talking about well Salem is Jerusalem. Yeah. It's 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 Salem before it became Jerusalem. So yep. it's like what the fuck's up with that? You know, it's like that's kind of uh doesn't seem like a city or a place. Uh you know, it seems like a, a message, a meaning. And in my mind that that sounds like Jerusalem's not an actual place that it was in this book. 
in Salem and then changed to Jerusalem is like a story of initiation, just like they changed all the names. Like, I don't know what they added to make that Jerusalem in the Hebrew, but, um, you know, to me that says like, okay, just like Israel, the place Jerusalem came after the fact, like it wasn't a place that they are writing about in this book per se. Well, and that's what happened. That's the exact same story as Jacob. So you could say Jacob, Jerusalem, turned to Israel, right? Mm -hmm. And Israel meant struggles with God, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, 100%. It says that Salem means uh, complete or the perfect or perfect peace. So harmony, completion. uh, So there's your your story right there, right? (laughs) You have... Jacob, the whatever. I wonder what Jacob means. That would actually be interesting to know. But then Jacob goes to wrestling with God, right? He's going through the the journey, the work. And then at the end, what did you say Salem meant? Peace. Jerusalem. Oh. Uh, Jacob means uh, the supplanter. To heal. It also means may God protect. It also means to follow or be behind, to put, supplant, overreach, to heal. Aw. <laughs> and may God protect are all based on Jacob. I feel bad for Jacob. So his Jacob's son was Joseph. Is that the same Joseph of no Joseph dad? It's different Joseph. Or what? Yeah, I think Joseph was the father of Jacob. Wasn't he? Let me get my time tree out. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Jacob was before Joseph because Jacob is Jacob is Joseph's where is Ed Branch? Where's the where's Josh? <laughs> Uh, all this gets very it really uh, or no man <laughs> uh, I, I just think, wonder if if joseph was the same joseph as jesus mary and joseph no 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 it was joseph maybe in the rainbow coat though maybe oh familiar with that john <laughs> with that john no no I not know. that john you're not familiar with the story of the rainbow he gets a rainbow jacket and his brothers are jealous so they throw him in a pit and then they end up selling him as a slave to uh to people who take him to egypt and he becomes like a prince and like a ruler kind of like uh like second hand to the pharaoh yeah i am definitely familiar with that john now that you bring that one up kind of sounds familiar Isaac was the father Classic. of Jacob, and uh, and Jacob the, fa- Jacob was the and father Esau. of Judah. Yeah, one of them is Hagar. Hey, yeah, Hagar. Jacob Judah Hagar is the mom of Esau. Hagar. Hagar. She's an Egyptian. Or Sarah or Sarah, and she's the one who 
she, because Sarah was barren, right? So she had um, Hagar, that her Egyptian handmaid, have her baby and mm. begged, 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 begged for that to happen. And then once it did, as soon as she saw her child's face, pretty much wrath came over her. So she like made them leave basically. But yeah, it's two brothers, different moms. Same dad. And Joseph was Jacob's 11th son and Rachel's first. Yeah. So I, I think uh, like most of the other sons were of a different mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, Joseph and Benjamin are sons of Jacob's second wife. Well, all the other sons are from different wives. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Nomad. Yeah. Um, I got to drop here soon, but this has been great. Uh, <laughs> do you guys have more you want to go through? Um, did you, yeah, did no, you guys I... have anything else to add to uh, chapter 14? Uh, basically, there is a big war in the Valley of the Dead Sea. Uh, and Abram I... rescued his nephew Lot, and uh, they got all their goods back. And then Melchizedek which I want to, I'm interested in who Melchizedek is. I've heard the name so many times, but I don't know who that is necessarily. Uh, it seems like after he gives Ab- Abram the blessing though, that maybe he starts to uh, believe in the same God as Melchizedek. Um, but it seems like he, he was already putting up offerings to this God before that. So, uh i don't know necessarily what's going on here in this melchizedek part if you guys want to get into that part real quick yeah he's okay he's obviously but i think that he's like the the top dog um he's like the righteous one or yeah He's the righteous, the king of the righteous. And um, he, but I also think that he's like, you have angels and you have archangels to like A, B, B, A to cancel out each other or to to swarm back into one. I'm not really certain what's going on up there, down there, wherever. Um, but I think he was like head honcho, Archangel Michael. Mm, Michael. Yeah, that that's my understanding thus far. Um, yeah. It says in Christianity, according to the epistle of the Hebrews, Jesus Christ is identified with, identified as high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus assumes the role of high priest once and for all. Chazalik literature, specifically Targum, Jonathan, Targum, Yerushami, and Babylonian Talmud, presents his name, uh, shows it in the Hebrew, as a nickname for Shem. Also correlate him with Taliesin from the Mabinagion because he was like Melchizedek, 
was full. It was like a baby that was abandoned. But when Noah found the baby, um, he was fully, he's like Benjamin Button, right? So he could like praise God, sing of God's praises, talk to God and, you know, preach about God when he was a child, like a baby. Hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah. It also says that uh, it also has been conjectured that the suffix Zedek may have been or become a reference to a Canaanite deity worshipped in pre-Israelite Jerusalem, an Ugaritic reference older than 12th century BCE to a god named Saduk, S-A-D-U-Q, which means righteousness, has also been found the possible forerunner of Saduk being included in personal names. Well, then you have uh, Zacharias, you have all of these Z characters that like mimic that name that play um, a role like down the line as well. Uh, but it's said that Sothonim, Sothonim, S-O-T-H-O-N-I-M, um, the wife of Nir, gave birth to a child in her old age, right on the day of her death, she conceived the child being sterile and without having slept with her husband. The book told that near the priest had not slept with her from the day that the Lord had appointed him in front of the court, blah, blah, blah. So basically the same story of Joseph and Mary, um, like Mary got up appointed to Joseph and then they fled. They they fled. And then uh, this is according to the Nag Hammadi. And then uh, the gods gave them an elixir to make them go back to sleep. And then they wake up again, do it all over again. It The same thing happens again. So Mary gets to have Jesus. Because at the first go around of this and this is in the infancy of james gospel of the nag hammadi library um the first go around yeah they were like no this cannot happen and then the second go around the same thing happened so yeah there's usually these stories about it taken twice like i I think abram like god told abram to go to canaan and or you know canaanite or whatever land of canaan but he didn't and then he he like had to tell him twice. Uh, I'd see it's like a recurring. Maybe maybe that's where the line "Don't make me tell you twice" comes from. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be a recurring thing theme here. So in Enoch two, they consider Melchizedek as the grandson of Lamech. Mm. I have a crazy one on Melchizedek. Yeah. Um, equals like 294 in Hebrew gematria, I think. Old Testament priest, king of Salem. He brought the bread and wine to Abraham and blessed him. Melchizedek means king of righteousness, refers to the chasidim, the master of compassion, the true measures of mercy. Uh, he head, this is weird, he head of I guess he's head of the essence order. Mm, 
He's head of the essence order was a teacher of righteousness. See the path of Yod on the tree connecting the king or Melech Tifereth with righteousness. Uh, Gadullah or Chasad, the king of Salem, peace is spoken. This is where it gets crazy. The king of Salem, peace is spoken of in the epistle to the Hebrews as being without father, without mother, without descent, and without beginning or end of days. The priesthood of Melchizedek after the order of Melchizedek, in print, that was in parentheses, um, is not an outer order like the Masons. It is identical with the true and invisible order, the interior church or Eckhart's Hassan, H-A-U-S-E-N. I don't know what that is. Uh, is another name for the same company of men and women who are liberated from the illusion of physical death, who know no, who know they never begin life, their lives will never end, blah, blah, blah. They're no temporal existence. Anyway, that was weird. Yeah. That sounds like the serpent. So remember when we got all confused about Enoch, son of Cain, and Enoch, uh, descendant of Noah? Well, now there's, I looked up Lamech, who you said was the father of Melchizedek, right? Or from his grandfather. Line, grandfather. And it says Lamech, uh, descendant of Cain, is a figure in the Old Testament book of Genesis where he's the seventh generation from Adam and the father of the first breeders of livestock, the first metal workers, and the first musicians. The list uh, is comparable to the ancient Mesopotamian tradition of seven pre-flood heroes who originate arts and culture this lamech appears in yahweh's genealogy the line of cain the priestly source has another lamech who is the father of noah so what lamech are we talking about here uh as kind of like what father you... of melchizedek yeah yeah it's, it's confusing <sighs> that plays into did you kind say of father what... of noah yeah, that kind of plays into what we were talking about in other episodes about maybe one being uh, the the good and one being the bad, you know, one being the materialistic, one being the good, just like this story that we were just talking about with Abram and Lot, Lot going to Saddam and the materialism, but Lot being the righteous. We see this split of these two all the time, and and seemingly one is the good, one is the bad, Jacob and Esau, good, bad. And you see like this split all, it keeps coming up often and all the time. So uh, it's another interesting thing. I'm, I'm guessing that this Melchizedek must be from Noah if it's the priestly line. And then that gives all uh, priestly line. And since Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek, um, I'm guessing that's probably Lamech from Noah. But I mean, needless to say, it's like, good and evil battle you know the hoonin and moonin or the 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 three women that we were talking about earlier too the aleph and the uh the other ones but uh, it, it seems to be like this you know it has uh, this thought and uh memory type aspect to it so maybe maybe this is what we're maybe this is what we're seeing here well, also Tet or Teeth or whatever T E T H is the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Did I say that earlier? 
Mm-mm. But tat or yeah. teeth is kind of almost like toth or toth, right? Yeah, it's exactly. And like he's it, but it's- thought, right? Thought, toth, thought. Yeah, Mercury. Yeah. Well, well, so nine, nine in the Kabbalah, that's usually representative of Yasad, which is usually called the foundation, but it, but it, uh, is more or less has to do with sex as well. Yeah. Teeth. Oh, teethy. I was trying to look, look up what, um, this in uh chapter well verse uh 20 it says and blessed be the most high god i was trying to find what the uh hebrew of most high god because i think that's one thing that's easy to miss here the the i've learned that they name they're they're all these different names of god um, you could correlate to the um, talking about a specific place on the Sephiroth. You're going to shake yourself. What is it's it? Called- Elyon. Yeah. What is it? Elyon. Elyon? Not to be confused with Elon. Why? Elyon or- is usually rendered in English as God Most High. <laughs> Or or alien, uh, alien Elon. Like you could take this literally any way you want, east or west. <laughs> wow. Ew. East west. Ew. So, I don't. That's not one of the names I've ever come across in studying, looking at this Kabbalah in the short time I have. You know, I've I've come across the Adonai, the El Shaddai, um, the you know Elohim, the Ah, Elohim, you know, stuff like that. Elion, we don't, it's like, doesn't get counted because it's on top of the other ones, you know what I mean? So, the most high is on top of the watchers or like the ones that are like the archangels and the angels, and then is the most high, and I don't think. They're supposed to guard like the noises, like the cries that come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, it's supposed to be like a message, like the most high is supposed to hear it through them because he can't hear us just like we can't hear him or it or whatever. I don't the most high. Um, so what happens is after uh, like a certain period of time, a sound will accumulate and bust. And that's how the alien can hear us is through like repetitive cries because we're kind of like blocked off. Uh, noetically. Yeah. You see what I mean? So like, I think this is talking about this is talking about the big G, the big, big God. So yeah, kind of like what we were explaining before and the different levels of like the guy behind the God that's like, no, this creation isn't the God. It's, it's God manifest, but yeah. it's like the God, we can kind of comprehend this place. We can't comprehend big G. I think this right here is talking about big G, you know, where if you want to call that aliens outside of this place, you can, right. It's what, cause we don't fucking, we don't know. So, you know, call it whatever you want. <laughs> uh, but it's like 
outside of this place. Uh, I think that's that word if I'm seeing it right. Because you got L and then you got. Yeah, you're seeing. We're L-E-O-N. all. Yo, when is it Ion? Is it Ion or Owen? Y O N. Y O N. Y. I see it as E L E L Y O N. L Elion. Yeah. Elion. See, is that. So, Greek mythos, who does that sound like? Helen. Oh, Helen. What's uh what's uh Helen in the Greek mythos uh help us out here for people that don't well, know. as also translated as Zeus's wife, also like mm. the most basically uh she's the one who gives all the orders um mm. when it comes to like yeah. And, and then even like the people that are trying to that like the people in the middle that seem like they're like playing like word games, telephone games, like um she could like bypass all that. She's just the yeah, the most high. I mean, she's also represents the wrath of Mary, the five stages hmm. of wrath. Is that where Hellenistic comes from? Yes, sir. Yeah, I don't know much about Helen, I don't suppose. Well, I just, um, I like Greek mythology. I like mythology in general because it helps me understand. If I wasn't like um, into mythology, I would um, not be able to probably understand this. Or like the fact that it plays in through everyone at all times. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It's the same story. So. Well, I think that is pretty fascinating. We just found out that the most high is a woman. And that is uh, very intriguing to me. Uh, God is a woman. That makes sense. It's the uh, waters of life. It's the creation you can't create without woman. So that's why God brings the seeds, right? For planting, for production. Is this the time Josh comes off mute? <laughs> uh, he, might, he might have went to nine eyes. It's uh, uh, one o'clock there. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyways, that's very fascinating. And the whole alien thing, I mean, that's fucking far out, man. That's far out. (laughs) Right? I can't tell. I might have found that word, um, Let me try and flip it. Here, I'll post it in the chat. El Elian? 
but it'll take a second for me to flip it. No, the word of, of the God that God in the most high, because if this is it and we can rotate this, um, then it's talking about the top three Sephiroth, which is like not the physical form, the most high feel like with Kether up there and stuff. Yeah. At, at Zaluth. Fire, salamanders, and the Jin salamanders. Yes. Uh, oh, Daniel Salamander. I know. Salamanders. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> I can't see I can't see the rest of it. I can only see the bottom like half of it. Well, on top of Salamander, it says Atzeluth. So yeah. loose. Archetypal yeah. world. All divine. Yeah, Atzeluth is just their top the top world in uh in their little system. Oh, okay. Uh I oh, I don't know their little system. They've got so damn many, it's hard to keep up. It's so hard. It's it's uh for the longest time, um, you know, it's it just seems like the most like daunting, confusing thing to even start tackling. Because I'm like, I don't feel like reading all these books. And it's like, there's like um, so yeah, I'm taking it super slowly. Good. Uh, Good. Because it's uh you know, they say you can't you're not supposed to start studying Kabbalah till you're 40. So I still have you know like a year to go. So I'm just doing the pre pre-study. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why though. Joshua told us that too. Um he told us a lot of 42. things. That... No, I think it's 40, and I don't know if that's like a, a esoteric, you know, in um encode or something too, but I also think there is totally a second reason for it that um you know when men age uh sex is thought about okay the the i think a lot of this what it boils down to is how we control and transmute our sexual energies and i think that's both for male and female and i think through that and it's one of the most like hardest things to do you got to be so real with yourself and um and no one you know it's one of those things too it's like you don't openly talk about it right it's it's weird and then like sex magic has this whole like bad connotation to it and it's like yeah it could be weird if you're doing like weird stuff like that but it's like just talking about transmuting the energy that we have which is sexual energy um and transmuting it into something else to to that of say like a spiritual experience i think that's like the the ticket the key and where i was going with that is that i think 40 is an age for men um where that drive is is so much easier it gets it gets a lot easier to control whereas you know before you're 40 or you know in your 20s or whatever it's like that rules you uh you you live to fulfill that <laughs> more or less and uh and so when you age i think you can 
work with that inner it's easier to work with that energy i think that's a big uh part of it that makes sense yeah wow anyway man this has been fascinating <laughs> you guys it have just any keeps getting you got uh you cut out right there what'd you say it just keeps, it just keeps getting more and more fascinating the, the more we like deep dive into this mm -hmm. um just the the use of words is crazy and the like the way that you can trap people with words or um possibly free people with words you know what i mean just like how you use your language is just another reminder you know how to use your like me for myself how to use my language responsibly you know what i mean mm -hmm. as responsibly as I'm educated too <laughs> yeah <laughs> um absolutely well, i had one more question yeah go for it. wrap it up about about a specific verse here um so in uh let's see verse hey blessed him hold on okay so in verse 14 and 15 mm -hmm. 14 it says and when abram heard that his brother was taken captive he armed and trained serpents born of his own house 318 and pursued them into dan found connection of 318 um which was cool it's like a steward of abram's house and it's saying that servants here talking about language and translation that uh servants could translate into what it really means this thing is saying it really means initiates mm. Um, mm. so like abram's initiates or whatever it makes sense like of his own house 318 yeah. of them like you don't have 318 uh you know kids Mm -hmm. maybe you do but, yeah. you know bible's crazy but then the next thing is confusing because then it says and he divided himself against them so it's saying when abram heard that his brother was taken captive he armed his servants trained servants or whatever and and like 300 of them pursued them in dam and he divided himself against them he and his servants by night and smote them which is like the past tense of smite i guess and pursued them into uh haba which is on the left hand of damascus i think this too might uh like left-handed damascus is another rabbit hole that we don't need to get into yeah this but one says where north he says, of damascus and so he divided oh really yeah north see this says the left hand of damascus the kjv um but yeah, so I didn't understand why he says, and he divided himself against them. He he and his servants. And this one it says there he divided his men and attacked during the night. Uh Keterleomer's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah north of Damascus. Hmm. I think the KJV is really yeah. complicated to read. It's uh, the what the the language that they use in it is very hard to understand sometimes. 
Yeah, like Elizabethan or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very, very British. Yeah. If you try to read it like a Brit, maybe it'll come through better. Maybe. Yeah, it's it is definitely hard. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that was just a KJV thing. But um but it's interesting the north and the left, because left sounds like uh west, right? Not like north. So uh, I guess it depends which way they're facing. <laughs> and so this this says Damascus in the Old Testament, city work in alchemy, the place of work. It's also the blood sack, the vessel, the skin containing the liquid of living waters. Mm, uh, the embryonic equals, sack. And it equals equals 444. So there are our fours again. So I'm saying this Hebrew... And that that's Hebrew, like Damascus in Hebrew equals four four four. It's like, weren't we just talking about fours? And this is saying, uh, yeah, it's a place of work. Damascus is uh, fire. Damascus. I remember that word in that city because of the steel, um, the swords and stuff that they mm. use were the ones made of Damascus steel were very strong. So it seems like there was people there that were uh smiths and you had Yeah, so I think there there's a lot of um, you know, maybe people in the know, some occult people, because it looks like there's this whole thing of Damascus changes the blood chemistry, modifies the structure of certain areas in the brain. Oh, oh my god. Fascinating. Yeah, so there's definitely this whole alchemical uh working with the with that word Damascus there. Yeah, that just it leads me more to think of like you know the the esoteric meaning in, in all of this is like <clears throat> sexual uh because after all it is called genesis don't forget what we're reading mm -hmm. uh so i think it's very uh sexual in in this and talking about different polarities and uh struggles that we have as humans in this experience yeah uh it also says in verse 13 but one of lot's men escaped and reported everything to abram the hebrew who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre and Amorite, M M Mamre the Amorite. The oak grove, we talked about the oak tree, and uh, wasn't it, uh, I forget who it was, but oh, Jacob settled near some oak tree, right? Where he put up the yeah. pillar stone. And then here we have an oak grove. So it's interesting that we have this oak thing appear a couple different times now. I, th I think I think that that might be alluding to the tree of life, and because Abram then I I don't know how soon, but he ends up going back to the oak. Like there's mm -hmm. always there's this Abram and oak connection, yes. and I think that does have to do symbolic of the of the you know. The other tree. There's the one of good and evil, but then there's the the tree of life, which is uh what Abram does 
you know he he's the archetype that spreads a seed he's the patriarch mm-hmm. yep yeah good stuff here we, yeah this is oh, fun shoot. we lost uh shit accidentally closed my window um we lost uh morgan she blooped out uh nomad has left us joshua the branch is sleeping on a branch and so it's just the two of us left here pk so if you have any uh any place where people can find you or any shout outs or anything like that that go for it man no, I mean, I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks so much. It, um, if you made it the whole way through, uh, we really <laughs> appreciate you listening and uh, drop us a comment. Um, tell us how you feel about it. I mean, heck, join us one time. Yes. Uh, you know, we'd love to get other people on here, hear different insights. Um, it's pretty cool to hear what everyone uh, has to think about this stuff. And who would have known that I'd actually... Uh, look forward to uh reading and talking about the bible so right it's super fun um you know hit dan up or or if you see me in the chat uh somewhere i go by pk and in uh, a bunch of youtube chats you you can find me um yeah hit us up and and let us know yeah for sure man uh yeah you can find me on instagram at rfta pod and uh danny Naki dan so Send me a message on Instagram. I'll check it and I'll get back to you. But yes, and we will be having probably uh, uh, doing like a live show where people can ask questions. We probably won't do uh, an actual verse that day. We'll just let people pop in and ask questions probably sometime in August. So we'll schedule that out ahead of time in about a month and let people know so that way they can hear it uh in the episodes beforehand uh so they can make themselves ready for it and uh with all that being said have a good day everyone peace out thanks for thanks bye everyone Blessings raining. It's a celebration. Go and tell the nation. We're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting. I've been stuck in my ways, man. I'm regenerating, raising my vibration. Curses ending with my generation. Blessings raining. It's a celebration. Go and tell the nation. We're all saved by grace. And I know I ain't boasting. I've been stuck in my ways, man. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise Giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks